Welcome to the Simply Resilient Podcast, episode number 112, an interview with weight loss coach Lizzie Merritt. My name is Jessie Ellertson, and I am a certified life coach, a 15-year military wife, and a mother of six. I love working with flowers, playing games, and going to the movies, and I'm a huge fan of my husband and kids, sleeping in, and everything about food. I have created this podcast as a free resource for military wives who want to improve the experience that they are having while their service member is deployed. If you are ready to thrive while your husband is away, then you are in the right place. Well, podcast listeners today, I have such a treat for you. Our guest today for this episode is Lizzie Merritt, and she is a military spouse. Her husband was in the Navy for 20 years. I'm going to let her tell you a little bit more about that. She is also the mother of two awesome children, two awesome dogs, and two awesome cats. And she is a big nerd about Marvel movies because in her words, we all have superhero inside of us, which I 100% agree with and love that so much. So Lizzie, welcome to the podcast. Jesse, thank you. I am so delighted to be here. We've already been chatting and kicking it off and you yes. know, we were talking just a minute ago about the great energy. So I'm so excited for this conversation. Thank you. Awesome. Well, I would love if I've given that little intro, but I would love to hear a little bit more about you. And so tell us specifically a little bit more about um, what it was like when you're, you guys were in the military and then a little bit about um, like who you are and why you're here talking to us today. Sure. Yeah. Um, so, uh, my husband and I met about a third of the way into his 20 year Naval career. He was a Navy helicopter pilot. Mm. And so we moved 10 times in our first 14 years of marriage. And it used to be a point of pride that I was like several thousand pounds underneath the, uh, like allotment for household goods every time. Um, and we haven't moved in a while and I swear stuff like multiplies in the night. Um, it really does. Yeah. Uh, so. so you said 10, 10 times in how many years? 14. So it's not quite every year. Years, 10 moves in 14 years. That's amazing. Yeah. Um, and that he retired in 2017 and it is amazing. Like how, like I used to measure my life by duty stations and now mm -hmm. we've been in one place since then. And I'm like, it went, it's a blink. It's just, it, it's really strange. <laughs> Where but, is uh, that place? Where are you? We're in Jacksonville, Florida. Okay. Yeah. Awesome. And I got into coaching in 2015 and I've done a couple of different kinds of coaching, like small business coaching and some other stuff. But I always, I kept coming back to weight loss coaching because I, you know, knowing what to do was never my problem. I could read the diet books and I knew the stuff, but it was none of the diet books told me what to do when I didn't want to follow their, their simple steps. And exactly. so I just got really curious about what what's going on when we know what to do, but we just have a hard time actually doing it. And mm -hmm. I discovered that there's so much about our brains that kind of don't align with the way that diets work, the way that the diet industry, you know, kind of sets us up for perfectionism. And I just, I have such a passion for so many of us are walking around feeling like I'm the problem because I can't follow the diet rules. And I'm like, no, no, you don't have to feel that way. There's a better way. Yes. So here we are. Oh, I love that. And that is why we have her here today. We're going to be talking about weight loss and or weight gain during deployment. We're going to be talking about that allure of just that perfectionism and following diets so strictly and that backfiring. We're going to be able to talk about uh, what it means to love yourself during your weight loss journey, whatever that looks like for you. And it's just, it's going to be so good. I'm really excited. Nice. Okay. So Lizzie, the first thing that I want to talk about today is this interesting phenomenon that comes when we spend a lot of time away from our significant other during military careers, whether it be for deployments or trainings, it can be a short, you know, short amounts of time, or it can be long amounts mm -hmm. of time. And typically it's, in, it can be very healthy to say like, oh, we're going to use this time to improve ourselves, you know? So that will lead to this idea of, you know, oh, I definitely want to like get stronger or lose this weight or whatever it is, which again is a, is a great place to put your energy, but I think it can get away from us and it can either lead to totally backfiring and like gaining weight while they're away because we're in survival mode, because we're coping, we're, we're doing all these things that we tend to make it all feel better with like food or we're, you know, all of those things. And, or we may find that the only way that we can have success in this area is if we are like perfectly and strictly following a, a diet that's really hard to sustain, but, and yet we're getting some results. So we just like stick to it. And anyway, so 
I want to, that's what I want to get into first. Tell me what some of your thoughts are on that. Sure. It can be really tempting, you know, if, if your spouse or your significant other goes away and you're thinking to yourself, I know I'm going to get into some great shape. I've got all this extra time now, which do you, um, but you know, and he's going to be so wowed when he gets back. I'm you know, just, in, you have this finish line that you're, um, you know, sort of running towards. And also there's this kind of external motivation of how amazing he will think you look. And, um, that's, first of all, it's understandable. Like uh, the diet industry sets us up for that. There's the before and after pictures and boy, have I yes. fallen into that hook, line and sinker. Oh, yes. And so we are set up to think that way. However, that can backfire in a couple of different ways. So number one, um, we tend to kind of go on a program, whether you call it a diet or not, when you are sort of mentally telling yourself, all right, this is the plan, I'm going on the plan. What you're subtly telling yourself kind of behind the scenes is one day we're gonna be off the plan because right. the whole nature of a diet is that it's temporary. And so when you when you tell yourself you're going on a diet or you're following XYZ program, that kind of insinuates to your subconscious mind, well, we can change our behavior for now. And then once we reach that finish line, whew, then we can go back to normal. And so that can, tends to lead to kind of yo-yo uh, up and down the scale dieting. And it yeah. can be extremely frustrating. Uh, in addition to that, the way that diets are set up is they, they literally work against the natural wiring, wiring of our brain. So in the brain, this is a very rudimentary explanation, but basically we've got two parts. You've got the prefrontal cortex. That's the, yes. the newer part of the brain. That's where we make our uh, decisions. That's where we plan. That's where we say, I'm going to go on a diet. And then there's the other part of our brain, which is much more um, evolutionarily old. It uh, evolved during kind of caveman days. And if you think about that part of the brain in the caveman, cave gal scenario, that part of the brain is always looking for any kind of change because change meant danger. Change meant a threat to your survival. And so that part of the brain is still there and it views change as a threat. Yes. Well, what's a diet? Total change. A diet change a whole lot of changes everything yeah and so you go on this diet and you change a whole bunch of things all at once and you can willpower your way through that for a week or two or three but eventually your brain is literally working against you to get things to go back to normal because your brain sees your old patterns as familiar and safe absolutely and so that's why those kind of programs can can kind of backfire when you set yourself up for that yeah when well, i love that you said that you you have like this sort of sneaky plan in your head of once I lose the weight, I can go back to normal. And what's funny about that is we have so much going on kind of in the undercurrents of our brain that we don't totally even know we're thinking. We don't even totally know that's the plan in our mind, right up here in the very forefront, we might be thinking, oh yeah, like I'm, I'm, this is who I am now. But in underneath, you're like, oh no, no, there will be ice cream, much, lots of ice cream in my future. As soon as I get back to this weight or whatever, you know? And that's really key to know about yourself so that you, that, that's where the sneaky sabotaging thoughts can come from. And, and I know we're going to probably get into that a little bit later. And the other thing I want to mention that I love that you said is the power, the willpower. This mm. is something I love to work with my clients on because we can make, we can take a lot of action and get results with willpower. But I, my teachings and my opinion of this, and not everyone will agree with me, that's totally fine is that willpower is unsustainable. It it runs out. Oh, yeah. It is not like using willpower is a always a short-term plan and you'll always get short-term results because willpower only ever takes you so far because typically you're ignoring what's going on in your head and just that muscle through, muscle through, muscle through. Yeah. That's really um, I once heard an analogy that, um, you know, we ha obviously have uh, habits and mm -hmm. usually when we think of habits, we think of action, but we also have habits of thought. And mm. it's basically the, the neurons connected in our brain, you know, you may have heard uh, neurons that fire together, wire together. Yes. And so I heard the analogy once that our habits of thought are like ski tracks in the snow. And if, you know, a, a skier goes down the same track over and over and over again, the, the rut of the track gets deeper and deeper. And so the walls get higher and higher and it's harder to get out. And so when you're trying to create a new pattern, a new habit, either of thought or of action, it's like a completely fresh track of snow. It's not very deep. It can easily get kind of wiped away. But the trick is like that, that's not that hard to imagine. Old, old habit, deep, deep grooves, new habit, shallow grooves. Yes. The part that 
really helped explain a lot to me was the old grooves don't go away. Mm. You're just layering on top of these new, the new groove. And so it's kind of a, a matter of repetitions. So when we think, you know, I'm going to go on this diet and, and just as you said, in our forefront, we're like, this is who I am now. Remember that old ski track is still there. And that's why we can sometimes, you know, sort of self-sabotage or, or what feels like inexplicably revert back to old patterns. When we're like, I thought I had this down. It's not your fault. It's because yeah. that old pattern is still there. It's not going to go away. It's not supposed to go away. It's just a question of repetitions of how many more times can you do the new pattern and uh, begin to train your brain. We want to get these new, you know, connections of neurons firing together to create a new pattern. Oh, I love that. And uh, th- that, that concept right there of knowing while I've, you know, created a new habit and strengthened a new habit, I'm, I'm, I still have all of my thoughts, all of my weaknesses, all of my old patterns. And I love the idea of that, that you're aware of that you acknowledge it, you accept it. And then, you know, like if I go down that old path, that old pattern, it's not because I failed. It's not because my yes. efforts were, were, um, wasted like that. That is such a common self-sabotage yeah. one that I say my, I find myself thinking sometimes and I hear my clients say it, that they'll say like, well, now everything I did like wasn't worth it. And I think you just went down the old path one time. Like all of your efforts are still there. Like no effort is wasted. Oh, anyway, I love finding those really sneaky, like self-sabotaging thoughts and the, those perfectionistic tendencies that set, like we are not set up for success if we're not aware of those things going on. And then if we're like relying on the perfectionism of it, we are setting ourselves up for it, for it to be, for it to not work. And then again, just like you said, we go and say, what's wrong with me. Right. And, you know, that makes me think of something that we've talked about before is that um, I like to say that losing weight is so much more about what's between your ears than what's on your plate. And it's those thoughts of those perfectionist tendencies. And if I go back to my old habit just once and I wrecked everything and if it's like, no, we need to have a look at those thoughts and recognize that give yourself as much credit as you can. And if you did 10 reps with the new ski track, that doesn't mean one rep with the old one undoes all of your 10 new reps. Like, no, it's all progress. Mm -hmm. Another thing I like to to use is the analogy of like a science experiment. So I used to teach middle school science like a million years ago. I love that. Okay. Yeah. And I, I loved the idea we had, you know, the science fair. And so the kids had to set up a science experiment and it usually was like, you know, what's the kind of uh, water that, or, you know, liquid that makes plants grow the most. And they have a hypothesis and then you do experiments. And when you, a scientist or a middle schooler does an experiment. They they have a test and they they collect data and they either either prove their hypothesis correct or incorrect. But never is that like an indictment on the the person doing the experiment. All of the information they gather is just data. And even if their hypothesis was proven incorrect, that's actually just really good information because you're like, oh, this gives me an idea for how to tweak the experiment and find out something more. Yes. And your weight loss journey can be the same. It can way. be the same. And all oh, that is such, I love, love that concept because it just removes all the drama, all yes. of the extra emotional things we make weight loss, weight gain, all those things mean it's just good information. Good to know. I love that. Yeah. Yeah. Everything you're trying is an experiment. Everything is data. What you eat is data. What the scale says is data. Yes. <laughs> we can talk for two hours about the scale. You yes. know, it's it's all <laughs> this information, you know, going on a binge is data. What was mm-hmm. your, what was your emotional state? You know, what were the things that happened in the day prior? All of this is just data informing you about the experiment of you. Yes. Oh, how frequently you're exercising. What, you know, just all of that. It's just data. It's just good to know. We learn from every piece of it, successes and failures. And that is so, so key. I love that. We're going to get into this a little bit more at the end, but I do want to mention right here, a couple of things I forgot to say at the beginning. Number one, I wanted to tell all of my listeners some exciting news. I recently hired Lizzie to be my new coach and I'm so, so excited to work with her. We've been connecting for the past couple of months and I've been um, checking out her work and learning more about her. And I'm just so in line with everything she teaches. And as you guys know, um, my listeners that this year, 2023, I'm moving my physical health to the top of my priority list. Um, it's going to share a top spot with, a, you know, like my family and, you know, things like that. But it's, it's instead of being on the back burner, it's right at the front. And so one thing I decided I would do this year, uh, while I work with um, Jody Moore as my life coach, and I'm in her group, I decided that I wanted to hire a one-on-one individual coach and individual weight loss coach so that I could just help that with making it this high priority. 
and uh, making this year awesome for for my physical health, which tends to get pushed off very easily. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, so I'm really excited to work with Lizzie. So I wanted to tell you guys that. And then the other thing that I wanted to mention here, because we're going to talk talk about it throughout this interview, is that Lizzie has an incredible podcast. Uh, it's called the Confident Body Podcast. And so I want to make sure you guys check that out and we'll link to that in the show notes and mention it again at the end. But she also recently wrote a book called You Are a Miracle, How to Lose Weight and Love Your Body Too. And the reason I want to mention that now is because uh, I want to reference it as we continue throughout our conversation. So I just want to make sure you guys know that these resources are available to you. And again, we'll give you more information on that at the end. So all that being said, I wanted to say that one thing I love about um, your book, which I have not read all the way, um, Lizzie was so nice to mail me a copy of it, and it just arrived a couple of days ago, but I've been able to get into it just a little bit and can't wait to read more, and we're going to hear more from her on that. But uh, the one main premise of her book is that concept that she just mentioned of that there's weight loss is more to do with what's going on between your ears than what's on your plate, which I love that visual, right? Just thinking like, you know, that concept. And what's what I want to hear more from you on that. And and one thing that I know will come up for people when they hear that is we tend to think, so if it's mostly about what's going on in my head, does that mean that I can just do whatever I want and eat whatever I want and what's on the plate doesn't matter. And I love to reassure people, like when we say things like that, like we want you this to be your focus, it doesn't mean the other things aren't important. Like we want, we want you to focus on what's going on in between your ears and you'll, you'll get some of those results that you're looking for. We're not throwing out everything else. We're saying like, this is, this is primary. These things are also important. What's on your plate is important, but it's not, it's not the number one priority. The priority and the focus can be what's going on between your ears. And then that will naturally translate into that secondary focus of what's on your plate or how much you're exercising or all those things. The, when you start with the thought plan, it naturally creates this really exciting and productive and awesome action plan, which the action is what's on your plate and what you're doing with your body and how you're taking care of your mental health. But it starts with the thought plan. I just, I get so excited talking about this. So I just want to hear more from you on, on that. Yeah, a hundred percent. And I I appreciate you making that distinction because yes, what's on your plate does have an impact. Totally. But the point is the way you're thinking about things, the way you're treating yourself, um, the, the, the way you talk to yourself, the way, what you tell yourself when you look in the mirror, when you step on the scale, that is the foundation on which you can build anything else. So diets teach you how to diet. Yes. I want to teach you how to love yourself, how to, because how many people want to lose the weight and get to their goal weight and then still not, not like themselves because mm. that can happen. I've been there. Oh, yeah. It's not fun. And then you, and of course, end up being like, you can gain all the weight back. And you're like, what was it worth anyway? And so the point is you've got to practice uh, loving yourself and how to talk to yourself all the way down the scale, because our brains are so great at learning what we repeat. And when we diet, again, kind of going to that, you know, there's a finish line. When we diet, we repeat the thought pattern of I'll be happy when I lose weight. And so you can get to that finish line and your brain knows how to be happy out there. Mm-hmm. when someday your brain has never practiced how to be happy today, how to talk to yourself today. And so the whole concept of my book is the, the there's two parts to it. There's um, you know, the, the piece between your ears, which is you know what we're, what we're talking about here, that foundational piece. And then there's a toolbox at the end that is much more actionable about like how to handle mm-hmm. weekends, how to handle vacation, holidays, things like that. Yes, um, I love that. Yeah. So, so this is the part of if you never learn how to love yourself and talk to yourself in a kind and compassionate way, you'll never learn how to be happy with yourself no matter what you weigh. And so the the book is about learning how to be happy while you lose weight, not when you lose weight. Mm-hmm. That's so good. And I think the reason that we really struggle with diets is typically from what I've witnessed is that they have those focuses reversed. So they're mm-hmm. instructing you on exactly what to do. Like we talked about, here's what you do to lose weight. And that's right. the action piece. And they're saying, this is the focus, right? And then they may, some diets, especially nowadays where mindset is so much more, you know, known and prevalent and discussed, they might say, make sure you're staying positive or, or meditating or taking care of yourself too. But it's almost as if the focus is switched. So it starts saying, focus on the action and then like maybe take care of your brain a little bit. But the problem is if we are focused on the action, we inevitably ignore our brain. Like mm-hmm. I, I have found that to be true in myself 
where that's where the willpower comes in, where we're just saying, if I can just eat this many calories a day and just who cares what I'm thinking or how I feel about myself or what my why is or any of that, I can just stick to this no matter what. And we're just like white knuckling that muscle through motion of, of just trying to live that diet while not attending to the thing that supports the action, which is the thought plan. So I, I love that you focus on that. I sometimes like to think of uh, diets are, are a little bit like telling the captain of the Titanic, hey, just watch out for any of that ice you see on the surface and you'll be fine. Yes. Be- because the diets tell you about, just as you said, all the actions, but they ignore all of the emotional piece under the surface of like, um, what do I do when I had a bad day and I'm emotionally mm. eating and I could really care less about the diet or, mm. you know, mom's diagnosis came in and it's not good or, uh, you know any number of things. Boredom. Oh my gosh. Boredom is Mm. one of the things that I struggle with the most. Oh yes. And so there's so much beneath the surface of the actions, um, that I wanted to cover. And it's, it's, it takes a curiosity and a a level of self-compassion that diets don't necessarily teach you. What diets teach you is these are the rules. And because of the way that our, you know, society is brought up and we, we, we are, we learn to, you know, sit in your chair, be quiet, study hard, get the A. Follow the rules. <laughs> and if you didn't get the A on the diet test, you're like perfectionist thinking sets us up for kind of all or nothing uh, behavior falling off the wagon. And we end up feeling like we're the problem and that feels really lousy. And so what I like to say is it's, it's not, you're not the problem. It's just your brain being a normal human brain. And if you can Mm -hmm. kind of get the window behind it, then you can say, oh, well, maybe there's a better way. Mm, I love that. And you mentioned this in your first chapter of your book, where you say like the reason that diets can be trouble is because they, they would work great if you didn't have a human brain, but the idea to, to broaden it and switch that focus of mindset is the first focus is saying like, and you say this in your book, you say like, you have to be able to lose weight imperfectly. You have to be able to, you have to be able to have a human brain and make mistakes and, and have setbacks. And you have to have a plan that makes space for all of that, because that's like that, that you have to be able to lose weight imperfectly. I just love that concept. Yeah. There's an entire chapter in the book that's titled how to make failure your friend. And, um, the first part of it talks about, uh, this young woman who was running a race in a collegiate race and basically I'm gonna spoil it. So spoiler alert, basically she's doing great. She trips and falls and you're like, oh bad bad luck. And she's got like barely a lap left and she manages to get up and comes back and like even you would think that even just like catching up and getting back up would be heroic. No, she ends up winning the race. And so it's a metaphor for life is about making mistakes and getting up. And if so if you're expecting to run the race perfectly, you will fail every time because life isn't that way. And so if you're expecting the failure, if you're expecting the mistake, you can handle it more easily. And I would actually even say that the failure is not just something to get over or something to get through. It is a very crucial, necessary component because those slip-ups are teaching you Mm -hmm. where you have some challenges. And so it's teaching, it's a a teaching moment. And so every slip-up is a golden moment of opportunity to learn something, not to say, you know, oh, I blew it that that's wasting the learning moment that, and so it's, it's like free throws. You know, if you take a bunch of free throws to the basket and every time you miss, you're like, oh, well, I just blew it. You're not learning anything. Right. And so it's, it's oh. weight loss is a skill, just like anything else. You can learn it. I love that so much because I've never, I've personally never read or studied a diet that, that make like making mistakes was built into the plan to like plan on when I don't do my plan. Right. And then not only to just endure those moments, but to say like, how perfect I made a mistake and then yes. take advantage of that and, and mine the gold, the thought gold that comes from all of that. I love that so much. You said it perfectly. I love it. And it takes us back to that analogy that you offered of the science experiment, which is gold uh, and, and that curiosity. I feel like those two things go so hand in hand. As soon as you make it more like a science experiment, plan on the successes and failures and and, and not just, you know, there's that cliche of just like learn from your failures, but more than that, it's like failure is such an opportunity. There's so much to be learned from it. And if you approach all of that with curiosity and opportunity, like that is a recipe for success. I love that so much. Yeah. I mean, and sometimes, you know, this kind of will speak to the moms of the group, but 
sometimes we have a hard time giving ourselves the grace that we give everybody else. Sometimes mm. we have a hard time giving ourselves permission to receive any kinds of things, whether it's, you know, help or, or that type of thing. And so if you struggle with that, think about your child. You know, so your child comes to you and they've got tears in their eyes of like, mommy, I tried to figure out how to ride my bike and I fell. And, you know, how would you counsel your child? How, first of all, you'd probably comfort them. You probably would not say, you know, we're a terrible bike rider. You know, you probably would not shame them. You should probably give up. We wouldn't say that. Probably probably wouldn't say that. Uh, And yet we tell that to ourselves. And we all have a six-year-old inside of ourselves that just wants to be seen and heard and nurtured. And if you can learn that skill of giving yourself permission to be human, (laughs) everything opens up and it becomes a lot lighter. And this, this heaviness of like this 50 pound backpack of negative thoughts, you can just kind of drop it and be like, what could I, what could I learn today? As opposed to what do I have to do on my diet today? Yeah, that's so good. I, there's so much wisdom there. I think that one thing that people can be really afraid of is if they plan on mistakes and if in their plan, the plan is to accept and love themselves despite mistakes or in spite of mistakes or whatever, is that then all we'll do is just go off plan, go off plan, go off plan. But what I love to point out to my clients in those kind of moments of protest or resistance to this, this offering of a new way to think about this is I love to say, like, think about the way you've tried it, where you tried to plan for no mistakes and you tried and, and in your plan, even if you didn't really think it out this way, when you make a mistake, you're harsh on yourself. Ask yourself, is that working? And without mm-hmm. fail, it, it isn't with, with, you know, with my clients that I work with on this as well. And then I say like, isn't it time to try something different? Like, even if if this makes you nervous to say, I'm going to plan to fail, I'm going to plan to make mistakes. I'm going to be curious and kind to myself, no matter what I do in this weight loss journey, that might make you feel nervous, but just run that through your mind of like, this is a way I've never tried. And the way that I've been trying is not working. So let's just try the new way. And let's just see science experiment, right? Like I don't, yeah. don't take my word for it. Give it a try. And let's just see, because you can know that what the way you've been doing it has not been working. Yeah. That can be really powerful. Yeah, two thoughts on that. Um, there's a fabulous book um, by, uh, I think it's Kelly McGonigal. There's two, there's two sisters that are really amazing and they both have Ted talks. I think it's Kelly McGonigal. Um, but anyway, the title of the book is called the willpower instinct. Mm. And um, she talks about how there's, uh, you know, studies have been done that, actually self-compassion is more effective at inducing behavior change than beating yourself up. Beating yourself up statistically has been studied and proven that it is less effective at creating behavior change. So of course, it's totally natural that your brain is throwing up fear thoughts of saying, oh, if I plan for failure, then I'm just going to go off my plan all the time Mm -hmm. because your brain is trying to protect you. That is Mm -hmm. its job. It's trying to keep you safe. And anything that is a change is like danger. Danger. Okay. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And just as you said, like, let's experiment, let's try it. Um, And the other thought I had around, you know, well, I'll just go off my plan all the time is I like to tell my clients is, okay, I want you to make a meal plan for tomorrow and, you know, decide what you want today. Let's make sure that you make this plan something that you want to eat. Like if you're, if you're planning, you know, kale for breakfast, lunch, and dinner, that that's not setting yourself up for success. So if you want a burger and fries, like put that on the plan, but the goal So first, the first goal is create a plan that is reasonable for yourself, but the goal is not to follow it perfectly. And, you know, I often seem like, I see you out there. You're trying to get the A plus, like, don't you do that? The goal is not to follow the plan perfectly. The goal is when you want to go off the plan, when you find yourself at 457 being like, my plan stinks. I hate this plan. Get curious. Why? What's going on? You know, did you have a tough day where the kid's yelling? What, you know, what is it? That's making you question the plan that you created when you were probably better rested, when you probably had your future self in mind. And even if you follow your plan 30% of the time, that's still a win. As long as you're getting curious rather than saying, well, I blew my plan. So I'm terrible. Mm, I love that. Well, and I, I love that concept of like, ask yourself what it is that you're actually needing in that moment, rather than yeah. the food you're about, you're trying to offer yourself as a, as in an attempt to comfort yourself or take care of yourself in some way. And I heard this once, I don't even remember where I heard it, but they, someone just said that like food is, food is physical and your needs are, sometimes you have, you have, we have like a few physical needs, but we have so many emotional needs. And when you try to use food, 
which is physical, to solve an emotional need. I mean, they said it way better than this, but basically like a physical solution will never solve an emotional problem. And then that's why we just keep throwing food at that emotional problem and still coming up with no actual solution there. And that helped me so much to realize, like, take slow it down for a second. Even if you've already like eaten the food and you realize like, well, I still feel terrible. Just slow it all down and say, what am I actually needing? What am I act like? What could I actually offer myself that would be a solution to the, the, whatever the problem is, whether it be boredom, whether it be, you know, whatever it is that's coming up for you, let's find an emotional solution to the emotional problem. And that, that I loved that concept. Yeah. Yeah. I I was actually speaking with a client just the other day about um, fatigue Mm. and that of course is a physical need. And so you might say, well, food, solving fatigue with food could be a you know physical, a physical match. But um, a lot of times fatigue is almost like the double hit the end, you know, as many of us as military wives, we're often maybe not getting the best sleep sometimes because he's Stretched out late or thin. yeah, yeah, maybe. Um, but so when you're tired, you, your, your brain is um, trying to, you know, allocate resources to the most necessary parts of your, of your body and your survival. So again, the prefrontal cortex literally less blood flow is going to your decision-making part of your brain. And it is shunted towards your more survival parts of your brain, like digestion, pumping your heart and so forth, which means you have less capacity for uh, long-term thinking for willpower based thoughts. And so when you're tired and you're thinking, do I want a cheeseburger or a salad? You have less, literally like less oxygen in the part of your brain that would make that decision. And so the impulsive part of your brain is more in charge. In addition to that, your brain is kind of sapped for energy. And so it wants energy fast. And the brain knows that uh, foods typically high in sugar, salt, and fat are really rich energy sources. They're fast and there's lots of energy to them. So even if it's a very fast burn. Right. Yes. So you're, you're less able to make good decisions and your cravings are going to be higher. Mm -hmm. And so when you're having that, you know, afternoon, like I need a sugary cereal right now, you may actually need a nap. And you're, it's normal that your brain is saying sugar, 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 because it wants to keep going and it wants to get a quick hit of energy. But kind of going back to your like, what do I really need right now? Yes. You know, maybe just some rest. Even, and some people will say, oh, I don't have time for a nap. Or I have all my little kids, like even just to rest. Sure. Like if you can't sleep, even mm-hmm. just go rest for a minute. You know, if you have to keep your eyes literally open, you can still go rest <laughs> right. and, see, and like then, then check in with yourself again and see how that feels. That's so good. Yeah. Okay. Let's bring all of this back to how we can apply it even a little more specifically during like deployment. So I want my listeners to know, like, we love that concept of like, let's, let's work on ourselves while we're apart. That's so fun. Mm-hmm. But let's just not make sure to mm-hmm. overdo it to where we're like using some of those concepts against ourselves, like using that high of when he sees me, you know, instead, cause that, that can really take us away from the sustainability and all of that. So um, give me just a few more of your thoughts on how we can apply kind of like everything we've talked about specifically to um, I'm going to just say deployments, but I really just mean like that time apart sure. and yeah, that military lifestyle. Sure. So if you're trying to make some healthy changes what, during deployment while you're apart or anytime, um, while it can be tempting to do something drastic, you're going to have much more long-term success um, with little changes. And so it, there's a part in my book of like how to make habit change easier. And there's four steps. And um, number one is make it easier to start. So you want, instead of changing a whole bunch of things all at once, like pick one thing and make it smaller. And I use the analogy of like roll, rolling a boulder up a hill. Mm-hmm. And so if you're rolling a big boulder up a hill, it's hard to do, as you might imagine. And so you want to make the rock smaller. And so you pick something smaller that you're trying to do. So let's say um, instead of trying to run five miles, like how about we go for a 10 minute walk? That's making the the boulder smaller. The second thing, so that's making it easier to, um, to start making it easier to succeed is first you've made the boulder smaller. Now you want to make the hill smaller. And so if you're trying to, you know, go for a five mile run six days a week, now we've made it instead of a five mile run, we're, we're walking for 10 minutes, um, and then make it, you know, um, a, 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 an easier ask that is kind of more, relevant to your life. And so instead of six days a week, look at your schedule. When can you actually go? Well, actually Tuesday mornings are good and um, Saturdays are good. So do it twice a week. Um, So easier to start, easier to succeed, easier to keep going. So consistency 
is the unsung hero of weight loss. Um, I'm still perfecting how to create the sentence, but basically if you can be imperfect consistently and just keep going, even if it's imperfect, you're, you're winning. Oh, I love um, that. so what I suggest is kind of make a goal on a spectrum. Um, as we've talked about, life rarely goes perfectly to plan, but so you can make your goal of like, I want to run or, or, or walk or whatever for 30 minutes a day, six days a week. And so your goal is 30 minutes a day. Awesome. If the day goes perfectly to plan, go for it. Also make a plan for when life doesn't go perfectly. I'll still be happy with myself. If I walk to the mailbox, if I do some stretching for five minutes, give yourself the opportunity to feel successful as often as possible. So you can just keep going because it is not necessarily achieving the goal that makes us feel great. It is that feeling of I'm making progress. That is literally the fuel that fuels our motivation. And a lot of times I get, you know, I'm just not motivated to follow my plan anymore. You're not motivated because you're not allowing yourself to feel good about your progress yet. So you got to give yourself as much opportunity as you can to feel progress. And that is actually step four, which is make it easier to feel good. Yes. I want you to, I want you to say that line again about you're not feeling good yet because you haven't allowed yourself to celebrate your progress. Just like hit on that for another minute or so, because I think that is so key that people need to hear. Yeah. I actually, um, I did a couple of drawings for the book and there's a a drawing in there of a car and it's, you know, like the gas tank is based on, on, you know, like, um, wins, uh, self-talk, uh, positive, uh, progress and, literally the the feeling good is what fuels your motivation. And so we often lose motivation because we're consistently telling ourselves I'm not there yet. And so let's say, imagine you want to lose 50 pounds and you don't feel like you're close to the goal until you've lost 47 pounds. Mm. And so from goal, from pound one to 47, you're constantly telling yourself I'm not even close. And so that is a very low level feeling. Feels terrible. Not, right. <laughs> So the way to keep going is to give yourself to be looking for what did I do today to make progress? How am I making progress imperfectly? Um, You know, all the, even if it's, I walked to the mailbox today and like, okay, check, I did it. And so you've got to flip that lens around instead of like, you know, being that, you know, cracking that whip and being like, get after it, girl. You got to be like, no, look at how awesome I am doing, I'm making so much progress. And that makes you feel motivated to keep trying versus demotivated and be like, well, why even bother? I love that so much. Like that, the fact that equation you just illustrated there of feeling good is like the perfect source of motivation, because when we are punishing ourselves to try to lose weight or whatever, we feel terrible. And like, of course, we're going to get our motivation zapped from that. And so to find ways to feel good all along the way of your weight loss journey and celebrating your progress is such a huge one to that. And the other one that I just was, I mean, that we've talked about, but that, that came up for me as you were talking was the, that goal to love yourself all along the way, because when you slow it down and you think about it, like there's nothing that feels better than loving and accepting yourself at at every given moment, which we're like, again, we're afraid to do, but if the Mm -hmm. goal is to feel good, loving yourself is like going to keep you in that space the whole time, which is why like, that is the whole point of your book, basically, or like the whole theme of your book is like lose weight and love yourself along the way, love your body at the same time at every weight it is, because that is what is going to motivate you and keep you on that track and getting those results and getting that success. I love that. Yeah. And that actually made me think of something that um, people bring up sometimes is, okay, I can either love myself as I am, or I can be motivated to change. But, mm. you know, a lot of people, a lot of times people feel like they can't be both. And my philosophy is actually there can be both. And you, they, they, they not only work together very beautifully, but they're, they complement each other. And so it's because of a concept called states and stages. So a state is your emotional state, happy, sad, scared, what have you. And so, you know, Jesse sitting there in your chair, I could say, all right, Jesse, can you, I want you to imagine um, something that makes you really happy in your chair, sitting right there, could you imagine something and could you alter your state to feel happy? Yes. Awesome. Same thing of like scared. Like you could close your eyes and imagine stepping towards the edge of a high building with no railing. And like, even just talking about it, my hands are starting to sweat. So like you can imagine that and like, here we are and our, you know, just sitting here. And so mm-hmm. we, we can change our state. And so loving yourself and feeling good about your body is a state that you can embody anytime by your thoughts. Now a stage is a progression. It is a, uh, you know, from like beginner, intermediate, advanced. 
So if I said, Jesse, I would like you to go out and um, play at Wimbledon um, later on today and, you know, please compete for the championship. Uh, <laughs> how do you think you'd be able to do with that? <laughs> I would be terrified and also feel very unqualified and incapable. <laughs> Me too. And so to become a Wimbledon level tennis player, we would have to progress from intermediate to the, the stage from yes. beginner, intermediate, expert, and so forth. And that is something that, mm. um, you know, layers on itself, there's scaffolding there. And so weight loss comes in stages and wherever you're at, you know, it's, it's a, a progression that builds on itself and you can be, you can embody the state of happiness and love and gratitude for your body and still not be at the stage that you would like to be at. You could still be progressing from one stage of weight loss to the next. And so they are, they are not mutually exclusive. And just as we talked about a minute ago with that, that feeling of progress mo- fuels your motivation to keep going. The state, the state of loving yourself and feeling good about yourself fuels your effort and your desire to continue to progress through those stages. Oh, that's so interesting. I love the way you describe that. So when you talk about them being complementary, are you saying that the the states and the stages are different things, but that's what's complementary. That's what works together is your state and your stage, whatever state yeah, you're in and the stage you're in. Yeah. I'm saying they're, they're independent of each other. Cause a lot yes. of people will say, I, I don't feel motive, you know, I'm afraid to kind of love myself as my, as I am right now, because I'm overweight and I don't love myself now. So I feel like I need to sort of beat myself into submission until I get to the weight I like, and then I'll love myself. Mm-hmm. And my, the point I'm making is that they don't have to be opposites. You can do both. You can, you can progress towards losing weight and you can love yourself as you are today and tomorrow and the next day. By just recognizing and honoring the independence of those two things. Exactly. I have my state and my stage. I love that. That's I like anything that can give you the visual you need, or just that like clarification to say, I have permission to be in this state, even when I'm still in the stage like that. That's so clear. I, I love that. Thank you for teaching that concept to us. All of the things we just talked about, I feel like were really good examples of um, what we talked about in the beginning of having your primary focus be on what's in between your ears, your mindset versus what you're actually doing, even though the doing is very important. Um, and like, for example, where you talk about, you know, imperfect consistency and consistency being the unsung hero and you know, doing things like making the boulder and the hill smaller, that's where you start with the thought behind what you know you need to do, right? And and modify and work on the thoughts to then support the action. And I love that that the way those examples that you shared really illustrate that concept of it rather than, you know, I know I need to eat better and exercise more and all those things, rather than just like running headfirst at those actions to set and say, I'm going to start at the stage I'm in. I'm going to totally use that lingo. I love it so much, which I'm a beginner at weight loss. Say, even if you've been trying weight, you know, just in this moment with this new way I'm doing it, this new plan, I'm a beginner. And so I'm going to make my boulder smaller. I'm a hill smaller. Like I love those visuals and, and I'm going to focus on that part of the thinking. And then once I get that really set, then I go about the doing of walking 10 minutes a day or, you know, whatever, whatever that you did to make your boulder smaller. And I think that the other thing that it illustrates, and I, I'm pretty sure you talked about this in your podcast, um, that what we're practicing there as a beginner is just making a plan and then sticking to the plan, like make, keeping commitments to ourselves. Like it doesn't even matter. Like you said, put a burger on your, on your plan. Like sure. Eating burgers three times a day is not going to lead to immense weight loss, quick weight loss, whatever. But what you're practicing is you're starting with a thought and you're saying, I plan my food and then I eat the food on plan. And all of that with as well, or, and taking all of that and adding in that final concept of, and when I don't do the plan, here's what I do. I'm kind to myself. I learn from the mistake. I get back up and just keep going. Like no big deal, no drama. It's all a science experiment. Oh, it's so good, Lizzie. (laughs) I could talk about this stuff for a long time. I get so excited because it's such a refreshing way to think about these goals and this kind of thing that so many of us as women or women in the military or women who have had babies and our bodies aren't what they used to be. Like this is what's on our minds so much of the time. Yeah. And yet we're typically uh, thinking about it in a way that is not very kind to ourselves or is not very productive or not very sustainable. And that that's, that's you know, miserable. 
Yeah. And I'm thinking of an analogy that ties very closely to, to the military life is I remember being a young military spouse and, you know, trying to figure this out and he's gone and I'm sad and, you know, like, this is hard. And I'm seeing the other wives in the spouses club and like, they seem fine. Like they've got it put together. And, I'm the only yeah. one who's struggling. <laughs> exactly. And um, <clears throat> I remember one time I was, I was teaching a fitness class and we had a, um, a, you know, kind of a circle up as we're warming up. And I la- like to ask the question of the day. And so my question of the day uh, that day was, you know, what's something you're proud of yourself for mm-hmm. recently? So we go around the circle and this one mom, her, um, her husband had recently gotten back from deployment and her, what she was proud of was she's like, well, my husband got back from deployment and it was messy and it was not perfect, but the kids are alive and we're still married. So I'm proud of that. And it's just so funny that like, it just struck me smack in the forehead. I was like, it's allowed to be messy. Mm -hmm. Wow. I can be messy and it still can be a win. And you know, whether you're taking that in terms of like the military life or weight loss, you're allowed to be messy Mm. and it can still be a win. Well, and even just like we said earlier, not only are you allowed to be messy, like plan on the messy parts, like this is an imperfect process, an imperfect journey, not just weight loss, but life in general. Mm -hmm. And as soon as we not only make space for the messy parts, but know they're coming, plan on it. We eliminate all of the drama. No, we cut down. We never eliminate (laughs) all the drama, but we cut down on the drama and the extra emotion and pain and all of that, the surprise and the the judgment, all that stuff we add typically comes from he's going to come home. It'll be perfect. I'll have lost the weight perfectly. I'll just like, we come up with this dream scenario in our head where no one in the equation is human in that dream scenario. (laughs) And so when we just plan on the mess and plan on the humanness, as well as tons of parts that aren't messy, like it's going to, they're both going to be there, messy parts and not messy parts. And, and that is the success. And that's what we plan for like that. I love that. That's so good. I love that you can remember the moment when you're like, wait, I have permission to be messy. Like, oh, it, yeah, it was very vivid to me. Yeah, yeah. that's awesome. <laughs> okay, Lizzie, this has been such an awesome conversation. And before we wrap up here, I've got a couple more things that I want to touch on before we go. Number one, I want to bring us back to your book that you've written recently. Can you tell us more about that? Sure. So, as you said, it's called "You Are a Miracle," and um, you know, I wanted to talk to women mostly, but you talk to people about like, if you've ever felt like you knew what to do, but struggled to actually do it, here's a book about the messy stuff. It's not, Mm. it's not what to do. It's how to handle the stuff that gets in the way of what to do. But deeper than that, the real message is a lot of us wait to participate in life, to go for the things that we want to allow ourselves to feel happy or beautiful or enough. We, we push that off until after we lose the weight. And I wanted to give the message that you are one of a kind, you are unique and you have something so special and important to give to the world. And every minute that you wait until you lose weight before you fully shine is a minute that you are depriving us of your gifts. And so I want you to be able to see and feel and hear how you are special, you are unique and you are important and needed. And so you don't have to wait until you lose weight to shine. And you can lose weight and love yourself too at the same time. I love that. That message is amazing. Uh, Tell me where can people find your book if they're interested in it? Sure. Uh, Amazon is the best place. Just look for You Are a Miracle by Lizzie Merritt. Two Zs, two Rs, two Ts. I love that. Two Zs, two Rs, two Ts, two kids, two dogs, two cats. Uh, Yeah. Yeah. A lot of redundancy in my life. I love that. (laughs) Awesome. Just one husband though. (laughs) Thank you for sharing all that with us. Before we go, I want you to leave my listeners with one or two more actionable weight loss tips, especially that can help them during their deployment weight loss efforts, if that's what they are working on. <laughs> Fantastic. Yeah. So we'll, we'll go with two and they're, they're kind of the, the yin and the yang there. So there's the, the action side and then the mental side. So the action side is I want you to think of what one goal that you're trying to do. So maybe it's, you're trying to exercise more terrific. Whatever it is that you're trying to do, make it smaller, make, make it easier to feel successful. So if you're trying to work out 30 minutes a day, great. You know, you can have that as a stretch goal, but allow yourself to feel successful by getting out there and stretching for five minutes. Um, you know, make the win really easy. Mm. Um, and aim for consistency over perfection. So it's, it's more important to, to keep going And, you know, if you work out for 30 minutes one day and you stretch for five minutes the next day, and then you did 10 minutes, whatever, like keep showing up 
aim for consistency, not perfection. Mm -hmm. So make that rock that, that boulder smaller and make the hill a little lower. So that's your actionable step. And you can do the same thing with what, if you're trying to eat better. So like mm -hmm. if you're trying to stop eating after eight o'clock at night, you know, no problem, like bring it back a little bit. And if you, if you mess it up, no, you know, just continue to make it easier to feel successful. Mm -hmm. And then the mental side is I, I'm a big proponent of our brains have a negative default setting. You know, just as we talked about where they're always yes. kind of scanning, looking for what's what wrong in the wrong? environment. Where's, where's the threat? Yes. So if you're going to have a positive thought, you've got to do it on purpose. You've got to practice it. And so I, I actually keep a note card in my pocket each day to remind myself of like, where am I directing my thoughts today? Mm -hmm. And so I want you to get a note card, a sticky note or something and write down a thought that feels true and is where you want to move your thoughts in your direction. So the thought of like, I am beautiful may not feel true. That's totally fine. But perhaps you could say my body supports me or I appreciate my feet because they get me where I'm going. One positive thing about your body. Now it's got to feel true and just put it, put it in your pocket or somewhere that, where you're able to kind of remind yourself, this is where I'm proactively directing my thoughts today. And, you know, just check in at the end of the day, how did, how did having that thought rep, you know, or putting new ski tracks yes. in the snow, how did, how did you feel after a day of directing your thoughts on purpose rather than letting the default be in charge? Oh, I love that. I talk a lot about practicing and spending time thinking a new way, because if we, if we have found thoughts, we're wanting to think, and we do believe them at times, but we just don't spend a lot of time thinking them. It's the, it's the tracks in the snow, right? They're not um, solid practice thoughts. They're, they're there and we rationally believe them, but our brain will quickly and easily try to reject them, go back to the old paths, all of that. But the more like that note in your pocket, the more you can spend time in your day thinking that thought that's track after track, after track, after track. And that's what it takes. It's so good. There you go. Hmm. Well, thank you so, so much for coming on the podcast today and for just teaching us so many amazing things and getting us all very excited to lose weight in a way that is with a ton of self-love and curiosity and grace and reality and sustainability and support and all of the things, because that's what this recipe for success needs. And before we end officially, I want to make sure that everyone listening knows how to find you in case they want more resources from you. So can you tell us where you are in the online world? <laughs> sure. Yeah. Thank you so much. This has been so much fun, Jesse. Um, so my podcast is the confident body podcast. Yes. And as we mentioned, my book is you are a miracle on Amazon. My website is confidentbody.coach. Okay. And I have a, a small social presence. So on Instagram, it's coachlizzie.merit. And on Facebook, it's just Lizzie Merritt. Awesome. And don't forget when you're typing out Lizzie Merritt, two Z's, <laughs> two R's, two T's. Is that right? Exactly. I love that. I love that so much. Okay. And I'll make sure to put those links in the show notes of this episode so that if people are like driving right now or something and can't jot it down, that they'll be able to go back and look it up there. Okay. Anything that you want to say before we go, or are you feeling great? I am feeling great. And I just wanted to remind you and everyone listening that you are a miracle. Oh, wonderful. We need that reminder. That's, that's the note in my pocket is just practice thinking that thought over and over. I want those tracks to get really deep. Thanks. <laughs> wonderful. Thank you, Lizzie. We'll talk to you soon. Thanks. Bye. Are you ready to take what you are learning here on this podcast to the next level? Then let's work together. I would be honored to be your life coach and help you create the life you dream about by focusing on what is always in your control, your mindset. Are you ready for everything in your life to feel different and better without needing to change any of your circumstances? Then schedule a free call with me by going to my website, simplyresilient.net. I can't wait to work with you.